Welcome to TJ Frog's podcast, where I chat about my knitting, dorset buttons and creativity in general, as well as sharing my love of Scotland, especially the Highlands and Islands. Hello, I'm Tanya, aka TJ Frog, or sometimes called the Button Lady. And in my creative business, I predominantly make and promote the traditional craft of dorset buttons, which dates back to the early 1600s, a cottage industry that employed many people in Dorset on the south coast of England. Brought up in Dorset, I now live on the Isle of Skye, and wherever you may be in the world, welcome and thank you for joining me for my 41st episode, Projects, Projects, Projects. Last episode, I was about to head off to France on a knitting retreat, armed with a few projects to dip into. Well, do you ever overestimate just quite how many projects you might need while you're away? I certainly did. (laughs) It made me think about what projects I've got going on at the moment and generally in the wider perspective, as well as what's happening where I live here on Sky. I thought I'd share some of my thoughts with you, especially on all those knitting projects. For this episode then, the weather... Hot, hot, hot. Yay. (laughs) Creativity. We delve deep into project world here. Dorset buttons and wider news from the TJ Frog pad. There's an update on shows and some workshop dates. Sky Focus. Island projects. The weather. Hot, hot, hot. Finally, wall-to-wall sunshine for not just days, but weeks. I think the hottest I've experienced in my time on Sky. Unfortunately, I missed a chunk of it as I was away. And when I was here, I couldn't be out in it because of the medication I was on for the tick bite I had, which makes your skin very sensitive to sunlight. I hope the hot weather returns soon as the cold rain and wind have once again settled in and having got drenched a couple of times in some really heavy showers, I'm hoping for some warmer days where I can sit outside and enjoy doing some knitting. The Met Office is reporting that the UK has had the hottest June on record. It seems that each nation within the UK broke records And some of the parts of the highlands were 3.5 Celsius above average, which is a lot for our part of the world. The rain is very much welcomed, though, particularly in parts of the highlands, which were under risk of water scarcity with a prolonged hot spell. How's your weather been? I'd love to know if you've had any unusual weather blips or records made this year. Do get in touch and let me know. With all the sun and then the rain, our what is already a rustic garden has turned into a bit of a major project. We were away for three weeks in the growing season and arrived back to a mass of dock leaves that have taken over and a complete weed fest going on in the stones and bracken, yes, bracken, from our neighbour's field has made its way through the fence into our garden. My TJ Frog staff, aka Hubby, can currently often be found early mornings fighting the weed battle. The landscape around us has been in full pink, cerise, purpley bloom for a while and I've loved it. The foxgloves arrived early in June 
and were in full abundance in our little corner of sky. They are one of my all-time favourite flowers and I've loved watching them out of the window swaying in the breeze. I just think they're so elegant. We've also got big clusters of other pink flowers, which one of my lovely students has reliably informed me are rose bay willow herb or fireweed. They're very tall, again, elegant plants, and apparently they can grow to about five foot and they have these long spiky stems with lots of pink flowers on them. And by us, they're in big groups up on the hillside, particularly in and around the woodland. I read that they spread easily by seeds blowing in the wind and also underground stems, which probably explains why they've spread out so much on the wasteland where the trees have all been taken down. The height of both of these plants makes them stand out above the bracken, which is a good thing. They push their way through the bracken. As these clusters of tall foxgloves and fireweeds are fading away, we are now seeing clumps of low-lying, deep purpley bell heather, which has blossomed with these big patches bursting into colour, snuggling all along the landscape. And it's just, as I say, a time of year when pink blooms dominate all around us. My hubby's done well recently, spotting wildlife out and about. He's seen an otter from the house on the rocks on the foreshore below us, and then far out on the tip of the headland, what looked to be porpoises. He's also spotted the white-tailed eagles a few times, and even I managed to see one of them without my glasses on because the white flash is so distinctive. One evening we took a slow stroll along the seawall that runs along part of the sound where we live and in the distance nearer to the Scottish mainland over Noydart we saw a minky whale. The water was fairly calm and you could really see the slow graceful movement in the water. It was really beautiful to see even at the distance that we were. Orcas were seen off Broadford and the north of the island, not by ourselves though. Again, not my time to see them. One day, one day. Spiders, oh, they're really bugging me at the moment. Two separate days, I have rehoused three spiders in succession and I moved a pot on a windowsill only for two spiders to emerge quickly from underneath and scurry off. The amount I'm currently seeing in the house and the different types as well is really messing with my head. We went years where I never saw any and it seems they've all decided to come out from the recesses at the same time showing themselves to me. My tick bite has cleared up thankfully after the antibiotics although left its mark on me physically in more ways than one. The antibiotics were very strong and came with side effects alongside, as I've already mentioned, not being able to sit out in the sun, which was a little frustrating with being in France and then the good weather that we had here, because I love being out in the sun, as well as wanting to top up my vitamin D levels. I have been hit with fatigue, which is a bit debilitating, and I'm not sure if it's to do with ongoing effects of the bite or if my immune system was low after the impact of COVID last year. Fatigue is one of those really strange things, though, it's one of those unexpected things that just creeps up on you when you least expect it after doing an activity. 
creativity. Projects, projects, projects. Where do I start? I love having a variety of projects on the go and for many reasons. Of late, I felt I've had a lot of projects that have crept up on me and I started to wonder, firstly, how have I managed to accumulate so many? And secondly, have I got too many projects? And I'm talking knitting projects here. I'm not even going into my sewing, hand stitching, weaving, crochet pieces, you name it, crafting projects. What then are too many projects? Is there a number or is it about a feeling? I think it's the latter. I think if you're happy with all the projects you have on the go, then that's absolutely fine. If you're feeling overwhelmed with how many you have, Perhaps that's when it's too many. What are your thoughts? I would love to know. Is it a number for you or is it a feeling for you? Are you a monogamous project maker? One project only that has to be finished before anything else can be started? Or do you too have lots on the go which give you variety? I'm a completer finisher. It's just sometimes it might take me many years to finish a particular project. I have questioned myself a lot recently about all these projects and if I do feel overwhelmed with them. And the answer is no, definitely not. I actually feel excited by all the knitting projects I've got on the go. All the other ones that are waiting in the wings, lined up, ready to get onto the needles. The only downside I would say is that unless I devote all my waking hours to knitting, which I totally could indulge in, believe me, I could, then it's going to take me some time to get through them all. And that's when I feel slightly disappointed that I have to choose a project and something else gets left once again for another day. I do think variety is good though. And I've put together a few thoughts on different types of projects I have. And let's be honest, different types of projects I need to have in my life. To start with then, on the move projects. A portable project, one you can tuck into the smallest bag possible with the minimal amount of stuff needed to make it happen. You may be on a bus, on a train, on a plane, something small but easy to dip into. For me, beads definitely don't fit into this type of knitting and circular needles are a good bet so a needle isn't dropped and lost down the side of a seat. I remember when I first got back into knitting and went on a train with my long straight needles and I was really struggling to knit while trying very hard with my right arm not to annoy the guy sat next to me. Now I did mention plain knitting here and I know I have seen many many discussions online about taking knitting needles on planes and I've seen People talk about the different way they try and hide their knitting needles. They maybe take wooden ones and put them in their pencil case or they have wooden needles twisted up in their hair. When I started knitting again, I was on the straight knitting needles, but I was very quickly introduced to circular knitting needles, which I absolutely love. Because as I already mentioned, one of the great joys of circular knitting needles is when you let go of that knitting needle, it doesn't fall on the floor or down the side of the sofa or wherever you're actually sat at the time. I use Addy Metal Circular Knitting Needles and to date I've never been stopped taking them through an airport onto a plane. 
Although, as I've just said this, I'm now looking around my desk for something wooden to touch, um, touch wood that I don't get them confiscated on the next flight that I go on. For those of you living in the UK, you may already know that on the government website, it does say that knitting needles are permitted in the list of items in hand luggage. However, looking online, it does look like some airports and airlines have their own criteria and I am aware of some people who've got through UK security at airports only to have their knitting confiscated actually on the flight. All that's ever happened to me, I've been stopped twice at UK airports and both times they've said, have you got knitting in there? Can I have a look at it? (laughs) I'm prepared to take the risk of losing my needles. If I've got hold luggage, I will have a spare pair in there. If I'm carrying them as hand luggage, then I'll have some scrap yarn and a sewing needle that I can put the stitches onto. I don't want to take wooden needles instead because that's not what I like using. If I really felt there was a chance that the particular airport wouldn't let me through with them, then I would put them in my hold. But as I say, touch wood, so far traveling through the UK and States and Europe, I've been very fortunate Tel Aviv in Israel was probably one of the tightest securities I've been through. There, though, they have a system where you're still holding on to your hold luggage while you go through with your hand luggage. So I was actually able to ask them and say, look, I've got these. I really would like to take them in my hand luggage. Can I? And they looked at them and said, yes, that's fine. But if they'd have said no, I still had the hold luggage there that I could have put them into. Earlier this year, a friend and I were sitting in one of the lounges that he threw when a lady came over and asked, how would we got our needles through security? And she was off to Canada with British Airways and was very disappointed that she'd put her needles in the hold after seeing the two of us sat there with our knitting. It is a frustrating topic as there are discrepancies. I do take a small project with me though and I do make sure that there is wool on the needles. It's a knitting project in progress. I've gone down a bit of a a rabbit hole there. (laughs) Small project for being on the move. Car project then. I'm thinking here, one in the glove compartment. And I have to say, I haven't done this yet. And I've thought about it many, many times. A small project, like a sock project that just sits there for those times when you may get unexpectedly delayed and you need to dip into all the compartments in your car for supplies to keep you going. A bigger car project, one that you maybe take out with you on certain outings that you can have as your feet, as a passenger of course, that you can pick up along the way provided that you don't feel car sick. Maybe one that you can do on the the straight roads, not on the twisty bends. Next up, I've got social projects. When you're at the knit group, you're away on a retreat. You're in a cafe with a group of people. You're in the pub. Any time that you're meeting others and having a knit and natter and there's background noise that might disturb you as well. Nothing too complicated that means that you're going to get home and frog the lot. Garter stitch, stocking or stockinette stitch, repetitive knitting. Again, I would leave the beads and the lace and the cables out of this. I've learned from experience. (laughs) Then there's the TV projects. Easy watching programmes which you can almost just listen to. Maybe that soap or drama where you're already familiar with the characters. 
or a documentary that doesn't require you to look at the screen too much. So the project can have a bit of difficulty built into it. Then there's the programmes that require your focus a bit more. You need to keep on track with the plot and not miss out on that vital clue, who done it, or the key part of the family drama or documentary. Definitely an easy to do project, back to the garter or stocking stockinette stitch or repetitive stitches. Subtitles on a TV programme or film. This is an interesting one. How many of you can knit and read subtitles at the same time? The first time I heard somebody tell me that they could do this and actually probably what I should throw in here is is knitting and just reading in general. Can you read a book? Can you read a Kindle? Some people can and say the first time somebody told me that they did this, I was like, whoa, that's impressive. I have tried and it's definitely a garter stitch only project. (laughs) Not my preferred type of relaxing knitting because I do have to think about it. It does take a bit of skill with the the head movement. (laughs) Messy projects. You know, those ones where you totally need to be on your own. You want the whole table to yourself. You want to spread out your yarn, have your pattern out in front of you, your notions, your mug, couple of little nibbly treats there for you and you just want to enjoy being totally immersed in it. Then I think for those of you who enjoy a little alcoholic drink from time to time, we have to factor in the post gin or post glass of wine or post glass of bubbles, post beer, post favourite tipple of the day. Yes, we all know, we all believe that we still function the same, but actually, what's our knitting like after that little tipple? Again, possibly leave out the beads, cable, lace knitting, if you want to avoid frogging the next day. And then I thought about projects not just suited to what you're doing or where you are, but about how you're feeling and the time of day. There's that I'm tired project. I'm full of the joys of spring project, the early morning project, the late night project, the reflective project, the sad project. All those different types of projects where you want your hands to be doing something. You want your hands to be working and your mind to get distracted by that movement. And what about a beach project? Do any of you take your knitting to the beach? Have you dropped your knitting in the sand and ended up with a gritty project? I have. (laughs) Not my best move. (laughs) And one I very nearly missed is the challenging project. I like to constantly be learning and I like to have a project on the go which challenges my skill level or challenges my patience. (laughs) Maybe that's probably a a better thing to say. (laughs) How about you? Do you like a good challenge with your knitting? Already, that's a lot of project types, a lot of variety. And I'm sure there are many more I haven't mentioned. If you have any to add to my list, please get in touch. Send me a message. My pile looks very healthy for my lifestyle and my well-being. They are all fully justifiable. Let's have a look then at just a small selection of what projects I'm currently giving attention to. And I started off this conversation about me going to France and taking away far too many projects. 
My plan had been to take the Shetland Wool Week hat, which I'd already started before I went. The blue fade yarn pack with the intention of starting the lace and fade boxy. And I was also intending on taking yarn to start two secret projects and my mystery blanket squares. So that was five projects for six days. How did this turn out then? In the end, I decided not to take the mystery blanket squares because it ended up being too many balls of yarn, beads, needles, etc. And I got to the point where I had to do some radical de-stashing in order to shut my suitcase. In the end, in place, I took the sleeve for the eyelay jacket, which has been a very long ongoing project. What did I actually do, though, when I was there? I did a few rows on the hat on the first day and that was it. I was keen to cast on the new project, the Lace and Fade Boxy. And all the other projects were totally ignored as I got deeply engrossed into that one. The plan had been to finish off the hat on the knitting retreat and as I say, that didn't happen. I got back home and decided that the two-colour version, even with a pop of colour going through the flower, it's not quite right because my two main colours are quite dark and I'm going to frog back a bit because I'm not happy with it. And I think this is another good reason why it works having multiple projects, certainly if you're a reflector like me, because that reflection time has now made me realise that my colours don't quite work. And if it had been the only project I had on the go, I would have just ploughed ahead with it, I think. And now I'm pleased that I'm going to be frogging it back a bit. I put out a post on Instagram about all these different projects that went to France with me and it seems I'm not alone in taking lots of projects away. I had some great supportive comments so thank you to everybody who commented and I realised it really is necessary to take far more projects away with you than you will ever need to do. The general consensus seemed that having too many is far better than the potential risk of running out, even if there are yarn shops where you're going that you can pop into to top up your stash, because you actually never know what might happen. You could get delayed. And as Selena pointed out, what if I was stranded by a zombie? I can't even say the word apocalypse. (laughs) Not something I had considered. So yes, the outcome is take more projects than you think you will need and as many as you can carry and of course multiple projects for the different times of day and how you're feeling. In France where we stayed one of our hosts Cully he's known for his rather strong very tasty sundowner gin and tonics which form part of the retreat day and post gin knitting is highly recommended. Unfortunately not only could I not go out in the sun because of my medication I was on I couldn't have the gins either. (laughs) On the plus side it meant I was still able to knit my more complicated project into the evening. And what of that jumper I cast on? I enjoyed knitting it so much I was determined to finish it as soon as I got home. And surprise of all surprises, it has been blocked as well. (laughs) Photographic evidence is in the show notes. The only thing I will say about this pattern if you're thinking about doing it is do check your arm size hole against the body size that you're doing A friend had said to me about going up sizes and when I explored the projects on Ravelry, it seemed to be quite a common theme. In the end, after much trial and error and frogging the sleeve about four times, I actually went up four sizes for the number of stitches I needed to pick up for the armhole. 
I also didn't have enough of my first yarn, which I knew I wouldn't, to complete the sleeves. So I decided to do them as a fade as well and I really love how they have turned out. It's a very different style top to anything I've worn before. I think it's going to be really useful there and I'm very pleased with it. You might still be reeling from the shock of me blocking this straight after finishing it. So why the urge to block so quickly? I think it's because it's a jumper and not a shawl and I want to wear it more than I do a shawl. Does that make sense? Certainly something for me to think about. I seem to be leaning towards doing T-tops at the moment rather than shawls. So maybe I'm going to get more blocking done. And it seems the universe is delivering T-top patterns to me because they seem to be everywhere I look online and people I meet are wearing them. Currently, I've got my eye on making Rigmore tea and Anchor tea, both by Petite Knits, both of which are uh, plain stockings, stockinette stitch with detail for the yoke. Then there's Lake Isle Knits by Unwind Knitwear and that was released on the 7th of July and it's got a colour work motif running across the chest which apparently was inspired by a piece of music. And the other one that I really fancy doing is June Drifter by Woolen Pine Designs which is knitted sideways and I've always fancied doing a construction like this. It's got a lovely lace motif around the bottom. I'm going to dive into my stash for these projects. If you have any other tea top recommendations, please send them in though. I am sure there will be some I will be very happy to add to my project list. The Debbie Abrahams Mystery Blanket 2017. I've done seven more squares and only have two left to do, which is amazing. And then I can start on the 2023 one. <laughs> Do you ever play games with yourself like this? If I get that bit of knitting done, then I can move and start that project. If I do this one first, then I can do six rows of that one. It's a bit like an incentive, isn't it? A reward, a treat. And it has really helped me to get on and finish this blanket, which has hung around for a few years. And also telling you about it as well has helped me with this. So thank you very much. The Debbie Abrahams mystery cushion arrived and I love the colours and it's going to go really well with the mystery cushion that I did in 2014, which was called Sugar Rush. The colours really complement each other well and I've already successfully guessed the theme of the cushion, which I can't share yet as some people are still guessing and I don't want to spoil the surprise if you're one of those people. I can tell you though, there are three squares so far and they are entitled Summer, Alfresco and Pavlova. And the theme is made up of two words. Maybe you can have your own guess. Another project that is going to be cast on is part of a knit along that I have signed up for. To be honest, past experience shows I am not great at knit alongs as I usually fall at the first hurdle to keep up with everybody. I didn't want to let this one pass though. It's called Return of the Lack and it is by Millie of Tribe Yarns and it's all about Entrelac. I have done Entrelac once before many, many moons ago. It forms a woven fabric from a set of kind of squares, rectangles that are knit on the diagonal and are all interlocking. 
And I can't remember much about how you do it other than there's quite a lot of turning going on. Millie has designed a very modern looking top that can be either worn as a slipover or made into a full jumper with or without neck detail. If you've not seen Millie's knit-alongs, she runs them quite regularly. And what you do is you buy a £75 voucher, which has to be spent on yarn, which you can then put towards the knit-along. And there's a series of Zooms with techniques and guidance, as well as being part of the community doing that project. And Millie is incredibly talented and creative and comes up with innovative ideas as to how you can personalise these projects with your own detail, whether that's adding a pop of colour, a really different type of yarn to the main one that you've chosen or beads or a bit of ribbon. And I don't think Entrelac has been a particularly popular technique, maybe because of how it was styled or what it was used for. And that's what attracted me about this particular knit along is is Millie has put a very modern take on it using a very fine yarn such as a mohair or a cashmere and using a really big needle. So it's kind of light and drapey. I'm really looking forward to being part of the community for this and I'll keep you updated with how I get on. For all my other outstanding projects, my plans for a finishing Friday and a sewing Saturday have yet to happen. All in good time though. Remember, I am the completer finisher one day. I mean, I've just blocked a project as soon as I finished it. I have to take things steady, you know. <laughs> Dorset buttons and wider news from the TJ Frog Pad. Dorset button projects, well, I always have a very long list of projects which fall into various categories. Some get dismissed early on, and these are usually the ones which for many reasons will just never be able to be realised. Crazy idea, lack of resources, whether it be time or people or finances or skills. Then there's the, the project will happen one day, timing is not currently right. Then there's the project needs refinement. I'm still working on the detail. The right now project, go for it project. The universe is calling and everything is in alignment. Back on the shelf project. There are just too many things on the list and some have to be put back into storage and collect dust for a little bit longer. Pass their sell by date projects. Things move on and it's just no longer the right thing to do that the time has passed by. Updating projects. There's always something to be updated, especially on the technical side, which I've talked about before. The website. Yeah, <laughs> let's say no more about that. Anyway, you get the gist. I always have a plethora of creative ideas and hence lots of projects I want to do. Distilling them and then managing them into the current ones to take forward is the key. Attendance at yarn festivals is a recurring project where lots of stock work is required in terms of getting resources to make stock, making sure there is enough stock, designing new stock. And it all takes an enormous amount of time and energy, as does attendance at the shows. For a bit of news then about yarn festival projects, 
For the remainder of 2023, I was booked to be at Woolock Port Soy at the end of August and the Southern Wool Show at the beginning of September. For those of you who haven't yet seen via social media, I have cancelled my attendance at both of these shows. The past few weeks have had a focus on family and my own health with time away to Dorset and doctors and hospitals various. I have lost prep time for making kits for these shows, especially a show like the Southern Wool Show where I need a huge amount of stock. And fatigue has really slowed me up these past few weeks. And the hours that also go into setting up a show when you're actually there and then standing for a full two days is a very tiring exercise, even when you're in the best of health. On top of this, I've got time booked away with various things later in the year and in the new year. So I have decided it won't be until later 2024 that you're going to see me actually vending at yarn festivals again. And already just parking those yarn festivals has made me feel better about the TJ Frog projects that I have got ongoing and the new ones that I want to get on with. And particularly the ones that went back on the shelf, I want to dust them off and get on with those. I'm currently concentrating on my teaching gigs, which includes both online and in-person events. There's some private groups I'm booked in for, which include Arena Travel Highland Trip in October. And last time I looked, there were still two places left for this, if that's something you're interested in. The trip includes a cruise on Loch Ness, a visit to Urquhart Castle, as well as an alpaca farm visit and Knockadoo Wool Mill. Carol Meldrum is the tutor and she's going to be leading knitting workshops on the tour. Late September, I'm heading to Shetland for Shetland Wool Week. It's always a real joy to be going to Shetland. I love being in Shetland. The landscape, the people, the history, and it's a privilege to be a tutor at this event. My two workshops sold out and I cannot wait to meet everyone. For the first time, I'm also going to give a talk entitled Dorset Buttons Revisited Through Shetland Wool. There's another event I'm teaching at, which hasn't yet been announced, although I believe it will be very soon. So keep an eye out for that one. And if you fancy a textile trip to Sky, then Wilder Art Scotland are hosting a tour here in April 2024, which I will also be teaching at. And I believe there are still a couple of places left on that one too. Finally, I have some dates for you for some virtual workshops. There is a repeat of the Dorset Button Beaded Tree brooch. I had previously said July. Sorry, it's now going to be August. It's going to be Wednesday the 16th of August from 6 till 9pm. That's uh, British summertime. These are all um, UK timings. There will be a Dorset Button wall hanging virtual workshop on Saturday the 16th of September from 2 till 6pm. The next one is going to be in two parts. It's design your own shawl brooch. There'll be two one and a half hour workshops. The first one's on Wednesday the 25th of October and the second one is on Sunday the 29th of October and they are from 6 till 7.30. And the last one is a festive decoration and that will be on Wednesday the 22nd of November from 7 till 9pm. Booking for those will be available on Monday the 17th of July. Remember, once you've attended one virtual workshop with me, there's going to be a loyalty scheme for any future virtual workshops that you book with me. 
In addition, how many of you have got a kit that's languishing in the cupboard that you've been meaning to do for ages and you'd like to make a start on it? A bit like a virtual knit night then, I'm going to run a virtual Dorset button kit night. Why not join me on a Zoom call and button away and get that Dorset button kit done? The first one, not far away, it's on Wednesday the 26th of July at 1900 UK time for an hour via Zoom and that's a free Zoom call. Just find where you've stored that kit, get it out, come online and button away and I'm there to answer any questions if you've got any. And the sign up for that will be available via my website again from Monday the 17th of July. On Instagram, I've started doing uh, Instagram Live, the aim of which is to do it on the first Sunday of the month, depending on where I am. So it might have to shift to the second Sunday if it's really, really not going to work. But I will try to keep to the schedule. I did do one in June and July and I've saved them to the grid. They're not very long. It's just me popping in to say hello. General chit chat. If you're around, do join me live. It's always nice to see a name pop up, although I will say it can be quite hard reading um, Instagram names and messages when you're doing the live. So I am sorry if I miss you. Equally, I might see your Instagram name but in the live moment, not recall. It's actually you, your first name. So forgive me if that does happen. That's about it for the moment. It feels like I'm just in the middle of a bit of a shift with having dropped off those yarn festivals and giving myself a bit more space to get some of those other projects realised. Finally then, the Sky Focus, the local lowdown. Island projects. What's happening on Sky then? There's certainly a few projects going on here to accommodate the extra people that are making Sky their tourist destination and people moving to Sky with their work or in their retirement. And if you're someone who has visited Sky many, many years ago and you've recently come back or you are coming back in the near future, then you'll definitely see a few changes dotted about. We bought our house in 2011 and we've seen a massive change in our time with many new houses either being built by incomers or residents who are realising the value of their land and building holiday lets onto it or erecting pods. I've read various reports that say approximately 13,000 people visited the Fairy Pools, one of Sky's top beauty spots, in 2006 and this rose to approximately 82,000 in 2015 and rose again to 180,000 in 2019. And I've read suggestions that it's now in excess of 200,000 people per year. Yeah, it's it's quite staggering how the tourism has grown. <laughs> uh, and of course, with this, whether people like it or not, there has to be an upgrade. There has to be infrastructure installed. There is a lot of community endeavour to improve facilities across Sky and the Isle of Raze, which is an island that sits between 
Skye and the Scottish mainland. And it's about 25 minutes to get to on the ferry. And it takes a lot of different partners and stakeholders and funding to make projects happen that can improve facilities both for residents and tourists. I know there's a lot of projects that have taken place or are in the process of taking place on Sky, although I was taken aback when I opened a document showing current and future projects and a, and a programme outline which is called the Sky and Raze Future or SAF. I think there was 98 on there showing what the outcome delivery is as well, whether it's about strengthening communities or focused on health and education or is it about the green economy and digital infrastructure or transport or climate resilience and it's got the different time scales and what the current status is and who the lead organizations are for each project and there's things like car parking at these beauty spots affordable housing a complete new village encouraging multi-generational living with infrastructure such as sports facilities and educational space there's community buyouts of local shops and redeveloping sites. There's new business units. There's micro hydro scheme. There's camper van facilities, toilet shower facilities, cycling, walking paths, upgrades of primary schools, play parks, and the list just goes on. SAF focuses then on preserving our heritage and investing with the community by having a set shared of values and aims that all of these partners can work together with and achieve these goals to ultimately improve the area for everybody. And it seems that this structure that's been put together also helps with securing funding as well as maximising investments that are available. I wonder, do you live somewhere similar that has seen such a rise in tourism and is now having to build infrastructure to accommodate the extra people that come to your area. That's it for this episode then. Projects, projects, projects. I really enjoyed delving into this subject matter and thinking about it from the knitting perspective, from my business perspective and also from where I live. Projects are all around us and I think Whatever they are, whether they are your knitting ones, your business ones, community ones, it's about the management of them. It's about how you bring all the different resources together, whether that's about time or finances or other people helping you to achieve them. And it's also about circumstances. So, yeah, interesting topic. Send me your thoughts. I would love to hear about your projects. You can get in touch with me by either dropping me a line at tanya at tjfrog.co.uk or Facebook and Instagram as tjfrogsky. The music's by Ron Paintant and licensed from Melody Loops and called One Frog Fairy Prince. Bye for now. Until next time.